Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams. Hello, friends. Welcome back to our Dream Big Nation podcast. I'm Lisa Williams, your host, and I'm so excited to bring the story of my new friend, Miss Dee Dee Cox, to our listeners. Uh, Dee Dee is calling to us from out in Kentucky, and she is sharing her story about how she went from the Kentucky Romance Junkie to number one best-selling Kentucky Romance author. Welcome, Dee Dee, to our show. Hi. Hello. Nice to see you. So why don't we just jump right into it? I know you and I have already gotten to know each other a little bit. We actually met on an event with Michael Butler with his Beyond Publishing group, which is just fabulous for any any aspiring authors or any current authors that want a community. I would so encourage you to plug into Michael's group. But Didi, why don't you just start by sharing a little bit, you know, about your background how you got to this place of number one best-selling author and, you know, some things that you want to share with our community. Absolutely. So first off, thank you very, very much. I'm very excited to be here. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year Happy to everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, this has been one of those years that most folk would like to um, say, oh, just see ya, wouldn't want to be. Ya. Let's bring on 2021. I will tell you that I am originally from Rooster Run, Kentucky, a little town in Nelson County, Bargetown, the bourbon capital of the world. But we were made famous by Hee Haw. Hee Haw used to come on on Saturday nights and we would watch it. And one night they jumped up out of the field patch with the population of our little community. That made oh us Oh my famous. gosh, that is so funny. <laughs> I that. remember Hee Haw. I totally remember. <laughs> Everybody remembers Hee Haw. We grew up on it. First, you know, you went to church, and then you came home and you watched Hee Haw, and then you watched Lawrence Welk, because that's how my family grew up. You know, I tell everybody, you know, we were born on the farm. We were not born in the hospital. I and mean, we, we had the cows, we had the pigs. When Papa delivered uh, the milk, he delivered the moonshine. We just didn't know that's what was in that sack when we laid it on the porch with him, you know, so <laughs> I grew up. And that kind of atmosphere, very loving grandparents, very loving parents, very involved in everything that I did. But we never had store-bought clothes because you always laid down on the floor and then grandma would cut out the newspaper and she'd cut out the pattern for you. And we always had dresses and different things that we would wear to church or, you know, you had your play clothes or whatever. And you didn't have stores back then and you could still run a tab at the little general store across the street. So that's my background. I am a true country girl born and raised on that farm, riding horses. We killed her on pigs, ground her on sausage, had her on meat house. We, that's, that's my background. That's who I am. I wouldn't trade it for the world. My grandmother was very active in my life with volunteering with different charities and different things. There was never a time that on Sundays we did fried apple pies and fried butter pies and delivered them to the folk after church because she knew certain ones may need a little extra support, a little extra encouragement after church. And she always, always had hankies for the men. And then she did tea towels or wash rags for the women. And we could always use those, but she, she never had a license. So I was always driving her around everywhere. When 
I was in high school, I, I loved English. I loved English. I could write all day long. And my English teacher knew that as well. And she was very supportive. Of, were, you a, were you a reader too? No, no. You were. I, Isn't that interesting? No, okay. No. I love to write, but reading took up a lot more time because, you know, you always want to be able to give the book the attention that it needs. But writing was so much easier for me because I wrote backwards when I would write a story or when I was assigned something in the English class, in the in the lit class, I wrote the story backwards because I knew how I wanted it to end. And I just pushed it backwards to get to the beginning. And most writers will do that. They start huh end and then they write it backwards all of my books Interesting. oh I love that that is so you you were sharing with us that earlier that you actually wrote this first book when you were in your 30s yes and then I, I love that part tell that tell our audience about what what transformed during that you know period between the first writing and the actual release because that's really fascinating So when I was 30, I did write the first book. I started writing it. And then my husband and I, we wanted to have a family. And, you know, back when I was in my 30s, you know, Fabio was like the really big thing. You know, he was on the ship. He was on the Viking ship. He had the sword and had the muscles. And, you know, everybody wanted Fabio. And I just wanted him to serve me sweet tea. That was the only thing. And I thought, I'm going to be a (laughs) Roman. And then this happened. And there were some issues because of my age and because of other underlying medical conditions that I had that it took us 12 years for me to get pregnant and for me to conceive. And so at the age of 36, I had my first son and my one and only son. I do have a foster son, so I have an older son as well, but my son is Isaiah Bo, just like B.O. So he was born. And as you know, with any mom, with any new parent, life just takes over and it just stops. And so the book went on the back burner. Now I take you back to the two degrees, one heart, which is the very first book on the cover is my actual son. It is my true son and his best and, friend. And for those of you that haven't seen it yet, you need to go and look at Bo <laughs> because he's beautiful. <laughs> Everybody says that. And he's like, mom, please stop. And I said, dude, do not mess this up for me. I need you to look cute. I don't need you to cut the hair. I need <laughs> the hair. And you just need to nod with me, with everything that I want you to do on that cover. So the first one is of him and his best friend, Logan, and her name is Logan Grace. And actually, when I was 30, I named the male character Logan, and I named the female character Grace, not realizing that they had not even been born yet, that they weren't even a blink. Oh, Dee Dee, my daughter's name is Sierra Grace. Grace. I love Grace. It's That's so right. beautiful. Yeah. The first book has Logan and and has Grace. And believe it or not, the female model's name is Logan Grace. Wow. So God has a really weird sense of humor sometimes. And my grandmother used to tell me, she said, you know, life is a circle and you don't want to stop walking the circle. And so you want to be able to you start walking the circle and, you know, you're going to meet some friends along the way and they're going to walk with you. And then they're going to get tired and they're going to have to stop and sit a spell. And so they're going to sit on the bench, you know, that's over there to the side and you're going to keep walking. She said, don't stop walking. Uh And so I continued the walk and she said, and along the way there is going to be, I apologize. My phone with the office is just going nuts, but they all want you. Hey, get back, get back, get back to work, TD. This is much more fun. So, you know, Along the walk, she said, you're going to meet somebody else and there's going to be a Y in the road. And she said, no, it's your turn. 
you take the left or the right, doesn't matter. She said, but keep walking. So, you know, you take another turn. She said, you're going to come to another curve and there's going to be some more folk. They're going to pick back up with you. They're going to walk a little bit. They're going to get tired. They're going to have to sit a spell. She said, but the really cool thing is when you turn the next curve, because it's a circle, uh-huh. she said, other folk that were walking with you at the beginning. And oh, I love that. And they're going to pick back up with you. She said, but here's the deal. She said, don't ever be the square. Don't ever be the four corners because then you're boxed in. She's uh-huh. been circle outside the square and you're running. God's got you. And she said, keep walking the circle. And it is the circle of life that God will bless you with and connects. And some of those connects are going to stay with you. Some of them are going to help you. Some of them are going to like you. Some of them are not. And that's okay. You just keep walking. And she said, he'll place them in your life. I love Her- that. Well, and let's talk about that. You know, for, for listeners that are, you know, listening later, we're in the, we're in the thick of the COVID crisis. And we, I remember it was March 19th. It was my son's, my middle son's birthday. And we were gathering and the kids were talking about, oh, it looks like we might be on spring break another week. And here we are the end of the year, California, we're on total lockdown again. And so many families are finding themselves you know, what is this, I don't even want to say new normal, but next normal, right? And you talk about continuing to walk that, that circle of life. What would you tell people, you know, how would you encourage people right now that may be feeling in that box, right? And not seeing a way out and just feeling really, really trapped. What would you say to those people? I know that I have felt that way during this pandemic because my mom has the onset of dementia. So this whole from March to when you and I right now current, it's been a bit of a booger. I do lean on him. I do say the Jabez prayer, but I love, I love Jabez. My grandmother taught me that one. And I have to say, you know, each of us are different and every single one of us faces this pandemic differently and we handle it differently. Our mental, our physical, our spiritual, our emotions are all torn apart. And it's like confetti. They just went up in the air in the pandemic. And there's like, when it comes down, it's all those millions of pieces. And I will tell you that social media has been good to me. I've had probably more readers because we're home and people are able to read now and they're able to purchase off Amazon and they're able to get the delivery or whatever. I know that for myself, I do a lot of, I do pray, but I do a lot of talking to him. I Uh really, really want to ask him a bunch of questions here. And is he so sure that this is the way he wants to take us? Because we're a hot mess right now, this entire United States. And just us as individuals, we're so lost. And, you know, you have to pray for those that still have the ongoing diseases that still have pre-existing conditions. And then they get COVID, you know, it's the healing, um, you know, when you're lost, he needs to find you when you're in despair, he can comfort you. And so, you know, I cannot quote a lot of the Bible, but I can tell you that he does listen. And I can tell you that he is there. He's all knowing he's omnipotent. And so, you know, I, I try to, when I'm in the car and I do a lot of talking to him in the car, cause I'm like shoe doggies, you know, here we go. You know, we're setting out on foot. Traffic is horrid. 
people are just not nice anymore. What happened to, um, my grandmother used to tell me there are three C's, kindness, caring, and compassion. And I looked at her like, you know, probably half of these people that are listening to us are going, kindness doesn't begin. And my grandmother said, you are absolutely correct, but I captured your attention and that's what you're supposed to do. You oh, are su- I love that. You're supposed to go out there. And so long as you are kind, caring, and compassionate, it will come back to you. She said, and here's the thing. It's free. It's free mm-hmm. to be. It's free to be caring. It's free to be compassionate. It's free to give someone a text to say, you okay? And here's the deal. When you say you're okay, you know they're not okay. But just the fact that you took the time, time doesn't cost anything. Just the fact that you took the time just to reach out and say, are you okay? How are you handling things? Because we're all going to lie. We're all going to say, we're doing fine. You know, the family's good. I'm hanging in there. We're all suffering. And so I just tell you, be kind, be caring, be ca- be compassionate. Throw, show the three C's. Just show them. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your books because I I think what's really neat about what you've done is you've you've woven elements of truth from people in your life that you love and you care about in your own life. I and I think it always captures someone when you. It's like based on a true story, you know, but it really speaks, I think, to the fact that we all have a story within us and you're actually living it, the dream that so many people would love to do, you know, and so let's talk about how you bring those stories to life and just maybe a couple of examples of of what that looks like for you. Well, I will tell when I wrote The Perfect Christmas, it was at Christmas time, and I wrote it based on the fact my grandmother was very inspirational and very instrumental in my life. And at Christmas, she always made us mittens out of Papa's sweaters and stuff. And in actuality, I lost a pair of those mittens, and I was devastated. Now, she made me handmade aprons, you know, all Barbie doll clothes, dresses of my own or whatever, but she made those mittens and Papa had passed away. He passed away in 1973. So she made mittens for me and I, I lost them and I couldn't find them. And I was devastated. I thought I was just going to die because one, it was from her. She had handmade it too. It was part of his sweaters, you know, that, that was the last thing that I had. And so in that perfect Christmas begins the search for those mittens because it brings true love at the end because the mittens were left on the table. She thought she had lost them. She was never going to find them. They were her grandmother's and he finds them and he picks them up. And then the search begins for who owns mittens. (laughs) Is this the one that maybe is Hallmark? Hallmark, Hallmark, Or they did. Yeah. That is so exciting. What is that like? Holy cow. So how how did that happen? And what's the process that you have to go through? That's crazy. I'm so out of my realm with all the Hollywood and different things, but I have been very, very blessed with everyone has been very nice. I first had to get it in screenwrite and I had to find a screenwriter and thanks to Michael D. Butler beyond publishing global. Michael is very, very good and very well connected. The connects here we go with the connects and and walk the circle. And he said, well, come on this cruise with us. We have producers, directors, put it into a a draft screen, right? Let's see what happens. So I'm at Rosa Salazar Arenas. She is the screenwriter to it. And she understands the concept of what those mittens, the love of those mittens meant to me. And so it has been submitted. 
out in California to Tawny. And we are waiting for reviews and, you know, tweaks and recommendations and things like that. And I, I tell everybody, I said, you have to claim it. You have to say it. I know it will be a movie because I know. I, I just know that he, he's, yeah. he's got, and he's got me, you know. And then I took another book, Stolen Roses, which is based off of a country music song. We actually have a country music artist. And she wrote the country music song. And we did a country music video. But in that book is the festival system, which I am a pageant director in the Kentucky festival system. And so I based it off of what I have seen at our festivals. There's pageants, there's arts and crafts. There are those big, what are those big old sugar looking things that have all that sugar on top of them and you can put syrup? What are those oh, things? Yes, yes. So, you know, I've been to those and I've actually held three pageants that festivals have been attached to. And then my husband plays percussion and he used to be in a band. He was on the road. He now plays in church. But I thought, you know, I'm going to call the band, the daybreak band, because it was based off of my travels with my husband. And then the festivals is based off of Diane Turner, who's my national director based off Kentucky. The bluegrass Commonwealth has over 185 festivals. We have 120 counties, but we have 185 festivals and most of them have pageants. And so I based it on that. And now Stolen Roses is actually Jeff Day is looking at that. His group is looking at that Lucky Day Studios. And, you know, I could not be more blessed and be overwhelmed with the unknown because here my my daddy used to say, you know, if you don't study something, how will you know about something? Education is free. Knowledge is free. And then until you study it or until you learn about it, he said, you know, you're not going to move forward. He said, and education can't be taken away from you. And I was like, okay, you know, so the more I have put myself in that realm of Hollywood or movies or Lifetime or Hallmark or whatever you want to call it, I've learned that there is so much more in the background that it takes to physically get it into an actual movie. But I know because of my prayers and and I just know, sometimes you just know, it may take me a while. You know, it took me 12 years to have a child Mm -hmm. and it took me from 30 to 55, 56, it took me over 26 years to become a published author. It will happen. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and let's talk about that because, you know, none of us ever took that class. What am I meant to be when I grow up? And I think so many people, they go, I was interviewing a gal. I just love Deb Erickson the other day. And she was talking about, it's like you go to college or trade school or whatever, and, and you obtain this certificate or this degree. And it's like, okay, the education box is checked. And yet I agree with you. We're meant to be humans becoming, not just humans being. And I, I can speak from experience. I stopped growing for a long time. And when I, when I woke up and started saying yes to different things and learning new things, it was uncomfortable at first. And so talk about that, because I think that is something often that holds people back from creating change in their life. Because you just said it, people don't like change. They don't like change and they don't want to be, they they're so used to their comfort zone of safety, but tell us about in your, in your opinion, the, the generosity and the, the abundant nature of this 
world that you've stepped into because I found it just miraculous, unbelievably so. Well, I will tell you that a lot of my connections have been based on my charitable and my volunteer work. I served on the board of over 26 years for a dream granting organization. We granted dreams to chronically and terminally ill children. And I was the chairman of fundraising. So I had to ask for money. Now I tell everybody, you know, there's only one or two things that you're going to say to me, yes or no. And if you say no, I'm going to move on. People hate that. People hate that because they don't want to be told no. And, you know, when you come out of your comfort zone, people like routine, People like to be in control of their routine and people don't like to change the routine because that means they don't know what's going to take place next. So I sort of kind of said the Jabez prayer and I was like, you know, okay, where am I going to jump to? And so he opened the door after 26 years. I thought I'm, I'm going to write the book. I'm going to finish the book. The whole thing was to say, I'm going to do it. And then I posted it. So when you posted something, Didi, that had, what was the trigger? Do you think, was there some, anything that triggered that final, like, okay, I'm going to write it. Did, was there an event that happened or was it just time? No, it was, you know, I had been reading some of the silhouette Harlequin romance books out there. And I have friends that actually work at Harlequin and, you know, I, I started digging just to say, you know, what, what's going to happen here? Should you write this way or, or, or should I contact somebody or what needs to take place? And so I did research. I started researching and I have a very dear friend. She was my son's preschool teacher and she wrote a book and she wrote a children's book. And I called her and I said, who is, who's your publisher? And she could not say enough about Michael. And so I thought, okay. Who was um, that? Do I know her? Um, her name? Oh, goodness gracious. She's not Angela Lee, is it? No, she, she wrote the book about a little duck, Winston the Duck. And oh, I remember hearing about this one. Yeah, I can't remember her name. Her name is Christina Driesback. If anybody okay. wants to written another one. And she actually won an award for Winston. She's very faith-based. And it, it was a very, very inspirational children's book. And so I started talking to her. She said, calling. So I thought, okay, I'm going to check the dude out. <laughs> calling. And he was very, very informative. And I am very OCD and very ADD, as you can tell by talking to me. And I had a thousand and one questions and he answered every single single one. one. And I thought, okay, I'm going to pray about it. So I prayed about it. And then I said, okay, let's do this. And so I did. What was the worst thing that was going to happen? That, you know, nobody would buy the book? Right. but here's the thing. I did it. I wrote a book. Oh, imagine. I mean, I, when I, when I first started interviewing authors, I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be so cool if I had a book that my grandpa wrote right now? And even if it was just for me, you know, I just, I think it's phenomenal. And I think one of the things that I love about this community is it's such a group of people. Talk to our tribe about the importance of finding a group that lift you up and mm-hmm. that support you in a common goal. And, you know, there's there's groups of people in our lives. We all have them that maybe we don't necessarily feel like our life giving all the time, if that makes sense, versus those that when we spend time with, they just, they just fuel us, right? 
tell us about that, that group of people for your life and how the importance of that. I do have one. My husband just, by the way, I do have a wonderful husband, 35 plus years. We've been married. He just, he does the nodding head syndrome too. Honey, if that's what you want to do. Okay. If you're going to use our son on the book. Okay. You know, my son does the same thing. Okay, mom. But I have this one very dear friend. Her name is Eileen Hornback. And we have been friends for a good number of years. And we talk every morning and we solve all the world's problems and we encourage each other and we whine and moan and groan, you know, about what's taking place and how we're going to take care of it. But she, when I wrote the book and it's her daughter that's on the first cover, it is Logan Grace that's on that first cover. And she said, I never thought you would do it. And I said, and now it's your turn. She finished and I took her on the cruise with me because I said, if you don't do this, it's not going to happen. You, what you is have- this cruise that you're talking about? I need to come Ooh. on that cruise. That sounds fun. <laughs> I'm a tear. And Michael took Eileen, you know, he had a scholarship and all this good kind of stuff. We, we met so many famous people. Let me tell you, when she went on there, I had the kids videotape how proud they were of her and, and how she was going to take this book. It's a true book based on her son's traumatic brain injury. She almost lost him. Okay. And it's called Breathe. And it's phenomenal because she leaned purely nothing but him. The, she was away from her family. He was in it. You just have to understand that love of a mother and her child and to know that no matter what, you're going you're gonna to do whatever it takes. And she was, she was there. And all the doctors said was, I just need him to breathe when we take the ventilator, you know, the breathing apparatus out. Mm-hmm. And so I took her on this cruise with me and sure enough, it bit her, but we were able to dwell into Hollywood like we had never done. You know, you had David Kirkpatrick, who was the president of Paramount Disney. You had Jeff Archer, who was sleepless in Seattle. You had Tab Murphy, who was the hunchback of Notre Dame. You had Jocelyn. I'm trying to remember Jane Sibbett from Friends. Uh Jane had her dog. Yeah. You had Rosa Salazar Arenas, who we met, who actually won an award for her writing in Mexico, in Spain. So, I mean, you know, you 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 took that. And when you came back, you know, she looked at me and we both hugged each other and we both cried and we said, we can do this. You yeah. know, it's, it, it's, it's not that difficult. And like I said, we wrote backwards because she knew the outcome mm-hmm. of what her son, I knew that at the end of the first book, I knew it needed to take place at the second book. But in order to get the third book, I had to end the second book. So I wrote backwards. So most authors will. That is so fascinating to me. I I have a question for you. So I have, I've through the grace of God, have a beautiful blended family that we, we have raised together, my ex-husband and I. So how would you go backwards on that? Would you just start with this is what we've created, but hey, let me show you what had to happen to make this. Is that what you mean? Well, when this next series, the five books that I have, I already have the titles. Okay. I, already, I already have the ending of each one. This last book that I just did, the fifth book in the final two degree series, it ends because it was dedicated to rescue because I do rescue bulldogs. At the end of the book is a young lady who finds a pup. It's a mother that's thrown on the side of the road. It's a box and she just stops. And there it is. It is this pregnant mother pup or, you know, dog. And she has to find somebody to take it. So in comes my two people that are in the all his love for Christmas. And they're like, okay, 
bring it on in. We know we're going to take care of it. You know, the story is getting close to ending. And they look at her and they said, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm going to keep her. I'm going to take her home with me. She's going to have the puppies. I'm going to keep her. And they looked at her and they said, what's your name? And she said, my name is Hope. And both of my male and female heroines. In the oh, I just got the shivers. I love that. <laughs> look at each other and go, of course. You yeah. know, how it ends. But I take hope into the next book and it's called. Yeah. It's the foreshadowing effect. Yes. And it's called the fraternity leave. F-U-R-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y. <laughs> She's got this pregnant, you know, dog and she doesn't know what to do with it. And her boss is evil. Evil, evil, evil. And so she tells him, she says, I have to have fraternity leave. I have, you know, and so that begins. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) I know the ending of this book because leading into it for Christmas, I have sugar cookie kisses and it's based on rescue as well. So I have all the time. Oh my gosh. I know. know. It's just. You have so much coming. I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. (laughs) God's been good. We all are going through something and we have so many friends that have lost their parents to COVID and we have so many friends that we have actually lost to COVID. And, you know, you pray daily, you know, sweet Jesus, uh, tell me who to pray for. Tell me who just needs an uplifting message. Tell me who needs to know that I'm thinking about them. And then in all that is your life. And it is very overwhelming. And it has been overwhelming for me to know that I have five books that I'll be working on in the next two years. And it, we're going in a different direction. You know, Michael says, this is going to be good. It's going to be okay. You know, we got this, you know, and it's even more incredible that I created my own Fabio because they're hashtagging Fabi Bo, you right. know, and <laughs> so there he is. Well, I have one more question and I can't believe we're almost out of time. I wanted you to tell me about this hashtag just as what is it just for us or is it uh, more than oh it's more than just it's more than just tell us about that I'm intrigued by that okay so in the pageant industry I have been involved in the pageant industry for almost 18 years I competed at the age of 40 I was the Otis contestant in the Miseries contest the Miseries had a ball Girl, I had that whole swimsuit thing going on. I had the dolly part. My husband just could not believe when I walked out on stage in a swimsuit. He was like, holy smokes. Everything was <laughs> okay. It was okay. It was good. I enjoyed it. Loved it. Out of that fell my connection with Diane Turner, the festival system. We actually have service, community, volunteer. And so we sat down one day and we said, how can we help the festival system to grow, to grow nationally, to grow statewide, to grow in other states. And we both looked at each other and I said, you know, sometimes it's more than just about the sash. It's more than just about the title of whether you're, you know, Little Miss Bluegrass, Little Miss Kentucky, Miseries Kentucky, you know, all the systems that are out there. And I told her, I said, it has to be about, it's more than just, it, it cannot be about winning. It has to be about the servant's heart, about service. And so I told her, I said, Let's hashtag it. We actually have it patented. (laughs) The festival system owns that hashtag. It's more than just. But I always leave everybody with his word. And it's in all my books. I quote God in my books. I quote Mm -hmm. scripture. It's Acts 20, 35. I love that verse. I saw that was your life verse. 
he's he's preaching that and it's so easy to do and most people don't realize you know how easy it is to do or what you can do to do that because it is so much better to give than to receive because when you give the blessings come back tenfold so it's it's just and i live by that acts 2035 and that was that was something that my grandmother you know instilled in me my dad instilled it in me my family you know there are so many that are hurting so many in need so many that want and god will provide he will provide and he'll provide you a way to get back i love so. that and and like you said even if all you can give is a smile or a hello you know i'll tell you my father is a widow we lost my mom about a year and a half ago and he he said to me the other day he was went to his coffee shop and he's like you know it's just it feels so good when someone knows your name and calls you by your name. And, and he does that. Exactly. So I'm going to read the verse that she's talking about. Acts 20, 35. And everything I did, I showed you by this, by this kind of hard work. We must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Didi, you have been amazing. You have given so much to our tribe. I'm so grateful and blessed to have met you. And I can't wait to, to get to know you more through, you know, this new group that I'm becoming part of as well. So thank you. Bless you in your new year. Yes. Oh, yes. To get, give us, tell us what you're excited about before we wrap up. I know. So I have Michael, we set up the new website. It's www.kentucky spelled all the way out, kentuckyromanceauthor.com. And it's got 15 different social media. Let me tell you what I did not <laughs> realize all that was out there, but I'm, I'm learning that I'm, I'm an old dog learning new tricks here because technology for us 50 plus whoo, that ain't happening, but I'm learning. And if you go to my website, you're going to find all my 15 different social media. And I'm so proud of that because I did it. <laughs> you did it. I'm so proud of you too. I can't wait. <laughs> And buy the books, friends, they're on, are they, are they audible and paper and Kindle at any type of version you'd want? Okay, super. Good deal. I can't wait to meet you in person sometime. It's going to be fun. Need I don't we want need to do virtual it. hug, virtual hand, jazz hands. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for my amazing tribe and our Dream Big Nation podcast. I am so blessed to be part of your day, bringing these stories to you are helping me personally in my life journey, becoming the woman that God wants me to be. And I hope they're doing the same for you. So Didi, again, thank you for joining us. Bless you in the last remaining days of this year and into the new year. 2021 is going to be exciting. It absolutely is. And big hugs, big kisses, big blessings. Absolutely. Okay. Bye friends. Hey, Dream Big Nation community. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.